Morning, everyone. It's nice to see you guys. Shaba, Shaba. Can you just really feel the, you know, Kiki was saying it, but you can just really sense just the glory of God, right? Just the, 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 just the weighty love of His presence. Some of us have actually mentioned it, especially on Wednesday night, but it's, you, I'm glad that, it's, that you're mentioning it because that means God's doing what we're, what we're on track to do, which is establish your identity of being a son and a daughter. Okay? We, we, we get told a lot about what we need to do for God, but very little about who we are in God, in Christ. And the doing can never flow before, the become, before who you are. So the thing is, what I love about God is when we receive His stuff in faith, because He said it, He shifts and changes things that we don't even know what's going on. Does things we're just hanging around and inside of us, especially, and I'm talking about the inside of us when it comes to identity. He transforms us. One of the main roles of Holy Spirit is to make us more like Christ. And so we're getting transformed when we take it with faith. We say, Lord, your presence is here this morning, and we just receive it. I don't know if I'm feeling it. I might not be shaking. I might not be feeling fire. I might not be feeling electricity. I might not be drunk. I might not be crying. I might not be, it doesn't matter what it is, but if we receive it with faith, it happens. And then it gets, it just keeps, God is this amazing God. He takes you from glory to glory. The first thing we need to know about us as being children of God is that we belong. Okay? We belong. You belong as a child of God before you've done anything right or wrong. You belong. I'll explain more into that. But you already belong. As we accept Christ, we belong. It wasn't because you got it all right before you accepted Christ. You know this, guys. I'm not telling you something new. It wasn't before you got it right. It wasn't before you were like, oh, I better make sure that I don't steal, cheat, lie, or destroy today. We come as we are, and the, cr- and, and the cross of Christ It's Christ who saves us by His grace through our faith in Him and what He's already done. We do not deserve or work for it at all. That's belonging. And so as Christians, as we sit here as children of God in this this church and people come in the door, we, we serve them the same way in joy, joy in serving them with Christ, with the same attitude as that of Christ. You belong before you've behaved. You belong here before you've behaved. Because Jesus drew us into belonging before we behaved. Right? And so, I don't care how stinky the person is. I don't care how many, whatever uh, some of our biases are. But no, let them in first We need to introduce them to the love of the Father. Because what leads people to repentance does the Word of God say? Kindness. And where does kindness come from? Love. And who is love? 1 John 4. God. And so it's not, it's not, now we don't remain there, (laughs) you know. But that's the way, and, and listen, by the way, it's not for us to judge how long people remain there.
We do, yeah, exactly. We do not judge how long people need to remain in that place. Our role is to serve them and imitate Christ and love them. Tell them truth in love. Put healthy boundaries in. You know, all these wisdom, all this stuff that I, I'm, I can't talk about all this morning. But we do the loving things. We put the boundaries in place. We, we, we teach them. And if some guy is just like saying that Jesus is, is, didn't die on the cross, then we say, well, no, actually Jesus did die on the cross. Let me show you. You see, we help them to understand and to belong. What we don't do is say, well, listen here, buddy, you've been, you've been in this place now for a year. Why are you not changing? What's your problem? You see, the fruit grows. As long as there's fruit, as long as there's some form of fruit coming out, we know God's working. Okay, so that's belonging. Then it says, believe. You see, through the, and I don't know if this is a, 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 a swear word, uh, you, you know, here in America, but through discipling, and it's biblical, so I'm just saying that, okay, through training, equipping, discipling, loving, let me use those words, we help people to believe. We trust Holy Spirit in the process to help them to believe. Don't worry, I'm getting to uh, my teaching soon. This is an introduction for you. Okay? And then lastly, God helps them to know that they become. You see, what do we become? Our identity gets established as children of God. That's what we're becoming. We're becoming children of God. We are, but we become. We are because of Christ, but we become because we don't know it fully yet. My discipline into people is not getting them to try to get things done. It's introducing them to the love of the Father and allowing Holy Spirit to teach them how it's done through me and through them. Here's the two main ways the Father will speak to you. The Word, the Bible, Scripture, and through revelation of Spirit. How do I know those are the two main ways? Because all Scripture is God-breathed, correct? That Word means by the presence of God, His Spirit. Therefore, the Spirit and the Word are one. I've taught this. I'm not going to go through that again. So, as I get in to ending off Philippians 2, chapter 2. Now, remember Philippians 2, very quickly for those of you who weren't here. Philippians 2 is Paul's joy letter. And I'm ending off chapter 2 now. Well, not now. But I'm ending off the first five verses of chapter 2 this morning. Okay, we've done, we spent two weeks on the first half of verse 1 only. Okay, I'm going to be ending off kind of the verse 1 and then going from verse 2 to to 4, basically to 2, 5, so verse 2 to 4, basically. And um, I just want to remind you the context again so that you keep remembering it. The context is this. The church of Philippi, which was a major, massive church, very, very strategic, apostolic church, if you like, and the church was a very diverse church, it had the, de- the demoniac girl in it. It had Lydia, the, 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 the business lady in it. It had uh, Jewish people. It had uh, Greeks. It, had, it was a very diverse church. There was a very diverse set of understandings and opinions. In fact, it was termed, and that sounds to me like a healthy church. In fact, it was termed a very mature church at the time. It's healthy to have diverse thoughts, diverse opinions in the kingdom of God. Because we're not united by our viewpoints. We're united by Christ. Many of us want all the churches to cooperate together. Listen carefully. Many of us want all the churches to cooperate together. But in, the, in our small little church, we can't even get that right. How are you expecting to unite with a whole lot of other churches 
If you can't get it right in the, in the... So here's what I mean. Let me use the biblical scripture and slightly take it slightly out of context, but the principle remains. So hear the principle, okay? If you're faithful with the little, you are trusted... Okay, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. Trusted with the little and you do well with it, you're trusted with the much. You want to take Muskegon or this county or Michigan or America for the Lord, then let's get some of the basics right. Here's the major, major, major basic. Let's learn to love properly. And you can't love your neighbor like you love yourself unless you learned what God's love is for you. That's Jesus' great command, if you like. He said, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. He's basically, he's not putting the, he's not saying you need to get all this right. Like, I'm not going to do this teaching this morning. He's basically saying, this is, the, this is the depth of the love that he has for you. You need to love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, the Father is imparting it to you. Now you need to respond, right? But the point is, you can't respond unless the revelation has got you. If God is love, and Galatians 5 from verse 23, 22, 23, up further. If that says, and, you, and if you understand from the Greek context, if that says God is love, uh, this, uh, um, uh, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The, the context there is, this, because God is love, 1 John four sixteen, I think it is, because God is love, His Spirit is love, and it's expressed in love, joy, peace. I remember I say this all the time. And so, therefore, that's what we are understanding. We need to live and and, and flow out of love. The, the, the complication for us is, and this is, where, this is what I believe, that the Father is trying to mature the church in at the moment. The complication comes is we don't know how to, how to give and receive that love properly. Because we think we're loving someone if we're hitting them over the head. We, we think we're loving someone if we're disciplining them to the point of like, you better get this right, buddy. I don't listen to anybody until I know how much they love me. God says, well, let me, let me paraphrase because I'm paraphrasing. You have no authority where you don't have love. There's no authority without love. Because it was love that defeated the enemy. You have no authority where there's no love. That is why 1 John 4, 16 says God is love. You see, the main motivation of God is love. And He wants to pour that you know that he, he pours that out in us. While we were sinners, He came and died for us. He's not asking us to get it right before we understand the love. He's asking us to receive the love. Once you've received the love, out of the overflow of love, do you learn to behave? That, does that make sense to you? You see, when I was a child, until I knew that how much... The people around me were for me and cared for me and loved me. I was too afraid to trust them and to listen to them. I was at least that clever. Not very bright, but I was bright enough to know that. Not to trust people that don't love me. I know that's hard. And I was a kid then. Now, now that I'm more mature, I know that my full identity and my full love is in God himself. So now I can trust people even when, I, when, I, when they're not really loving me because my actual love comes from Abba Daddy. But before when I was a child, I hadn't got that yet. So now I'm trying to get that from... So all I'm trying to say to you is 
us, we're dealing with a whole world out there that doesn't know Abba Daddy's love for them, the Father's love. So we need to be that love to them. That's what I'm trying to say. And Paul, as he speaks in Philippians 2 here, the context is there's disunity in the church. There's, there's two people that have come together at loggerheads, and they're, they're fighting, and it lands up, so to speak, on Paul's desk, as I said last week. And Paul has to now, in the wisdom of Holy Spirit, um, he has to now begin to end the teachings of Jesus. Remember, because the Bible says, uh, don't forget my teachings, Jesus said to the, to the apostles, and he became one later. But anyway, the point was he got training. And so now he's trying to find a practical application for the love of the Father in this context. And that's what joy in serving means. We serve people in Christ. So let's look at the next one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Now this is uh, verse 1 to 2. We've dealt with, with one basically all the way up until tenderness and compassion, which I'm going to deal with this morning. And then I'll quickly finish off um, verse 2 and then verse 3 to 4 uh, as we jump into 5 uh, probably next week. Okay, so I'm dealing with four things in Philippians. Okay, they're not there. These are four important points that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with now. This was from verse 1 uh, to 2. These are the four points from verse 1 to 2. So let's jump into it. Let's go to affection and compassion. So if you go to Philippians 2, verse 1 to 2, you'll see affection and compassion is at the end of that verse. Tenderness and compassion is the other translation. There it is. So we want to look at this quickly. Now, those two words, affection and compassion... Tenderness and compassion. Those two words carry in it the idea of mercy. So let me give you the let me just tell you a quick difference which is helpful for you. It speaks of the sympathy and empathy for a person going through difficulties or misfortunes. That's what Paul is saying. We need to have sympathy, empathy uh, for people going through difficulties and misfortunes. Now it's interesting that this is in the context of dis- uh, disunity. So this is, this is kind of what he's saying. Sympathy is understanding from your own perspective. It's great to have sympathy on someone, but generally sympathy is understanding it from your perspective. Like, for example, I just lose my... Um, let's say I lose a family member. Now, a little kid comes along and you know, he says to me, Ah, oh, he says, I'm so sorry you lost your family member. I understand exactly what you're going through. I lost my toy last week. You see, he has sympathy for you, and that's great. But it's not really the same re- relating thing, right? It's great that he has sympathy. But empathy is the next level, which is placing yourself in someone else's shoes and trying to understand why they have those feelings. That's empathy. We need to have sympathy and empathy for others. When we're, in dis- when we're having an argument with him. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Paul is saying, have sympathy and empathy. In other words, what is the story? What's the story behind what's going on? Why are they acting like this? Figure it out. Put yourself in their shoes and think, why are they in that space? What's going on? I'm going to tell you how to do this in a second. The next thing is, for this reason, the dominant thought is mercy. So why do I say that? It's the same mercy that God has for us that we have. Learn to extend to others, even within 
a disun- disunifying argument or whatever it is, or challenge or disagreement or whatever it is. Here's the point. Jesus forgave us and withheld punishment from us. That's what mercy means. I remember when we were kids and we used to have fights. Okay, for those, okay, the ladies, maybe you didn't do this, but guys physically, we'd have fights. And we had the safe word. Our safe word was mercy, mercy. That, did any other guys do that? And we would have fights and like we'd grab each other and we'd choke the hand. And I'm like, ah, oh, mercy, 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 mercy. You see, mercy means you can punish someone. Mercy means you don't punish someone when you have the power to punish them. And that's mercy. And so God wants us to have the same. Jesus, that's why I said, that's why I began with what I began with. Jesus forgave us while we were sinners. You see, we'd, we'd basically, if you like, rebelled against God, offended Him. Any bad thing that you can think of, that's what we did to the Father. Without, I mean, it's just we are born into that, right? We live that way. And the Father says, I still love you unconditionally, and I still forgave you and do not punish you. In fact, even now, think about your life, how much the Father doesn't punish you for things you're getting wrong because of Christ. We should have this kind of forgiveness and mercy on each other no matter what's happening. This is why it becomes a joy. Imagine a church or a group of people who had this attitude. Imagine what it would be like. I mean, people would be flocking, running off the street to get into the building because this is the best place to be. You know, you think Michigan's adventure is great. You know, Disneyland is going to look stupid compared to our church or your environment. Let's say you have a family like that. Imagine a church that understands that. Just imagine. Just try to stretch. You know, God gave you imagination so you could understand the depths of the kingdom as much as we can. Your, 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 your imagination, right? Listen, Holy Spirit, when you become a new... I'm going to give you a key here. You're going, to, you're going to like this key. When you are brought, translated, and saved into the kingdom of God, your imagination gets ignited by the Spirit. And you can imagine things that are completely impossible because God can call things that are not as if they are. Therefore, my imagination begins to stretch past what my human thinking and my human possibilities are. And I begin to see with the eye of the Spirit. Isn't that cool? I'm not going to do that teaching now, but think about that. And so when we, when we begin to live in the Spirit, when we begin to allow Holy Spirit to lead and to, to guide us, we begin to see. We begin to see differently and experience differently. Is that helpful? Okay, let's move on. Next one. So let's look at this quickly. He has some very practical ways on how to have mercy. One, learn to forgive That's mercy. Learn to forgive people quickly. Quickly learn to forgive. Seriously, as wonderful as a guy I am, you know, and I know Ray's just going, Sheldon, you're just amazing. How are you ever going to offend me? (laughs) The the, the reality is I'm probably going to. Not because I want to. I respect you too much not to want to do that. But I'm human. I'm going to offend you somehow. And you have a certain perspective, and I have a certain perspective. We'll offend each other somehow. But I need to learn to forgive you quickly. What is forgiveness? Very simply put, and this is a very simple, simple, this is the heart of it, is that you do not punish someone. They don't owe you anything. Number two, get to know people's stories. It's not to excuse unhealthy or bad behavior, but it's to understand how to serve them in love. 
So before I just pile on someone and gossip, gossip about them and knock them into the ground and, and just, you know, I want to hear, I want to spend time with them, get to get God's heart for them in me. That's actually what I'm looking for. Next, don't punish people. Forgiveness and don't punish. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of Jesus. Don't punish people. I, I just put one example in there. Silent treatment. I've experienced this before. Silent treatment is basically punishing someone. You punish them. Why? Because what you're trying to do is, you're only, because you're, just bear with me. Silent treatment. Okay? I'm not saying take a break. I'm not talking about taking a break and then coming back. I'm, taking, I'm talking silent treatment when the attitude is this. I'm cutting you out. That, by the way, cutting someone out is a form of control and manipulation. And it is done by powerless people, not powerful people. You guys have done some psychology. You'll understand what I'm talking about. And this is not the way we should do it. And I'm just doing one use of, of, of punishment here, by the way. This is one. We punish people in so many different ways. Okay, next. Try not to respond in an unfair way. Do unto others as you want done to, to yourself. Don't just unfairly. Listen, here's, here's a very broad kind of unfair way. This is unfair. Okay? Just imagine this. You, you, as a, you were a young person. You grew up in a very broken family. You grew up in a family that didn't teach you right from wrong. You didn't know any better. Your father was absent. Your mother was an, is, is addicted. And she couldn't really communicate well with you because she had so much woundedness in her own heart. She couldn't communicate well. Right? Your father was never there for you, really. Okay? No one taught you. So what you do to survive, um, and there was no money in the house because your parents couldn't hold a job down because one of them was depressed and the other one was working so hard they had no time and there was no money coming into the house. Just imagine that. Just, just for a second, put yourself there. Now, a child comes out of that home. They don't have the same foundations as a child that comes from a healthy home. So now they go out and they think, oh, man, I really want a chocolate. And they steal a chocolate. They weren't taught some good boundaries, healthy things, what's right, what's wrong, all that kind of thing. So the child goes out and steals a chocolate. Now he gets caught, or she gets caught. Guess what they do then? They put them in the electric chair and they shock them to death. Is that a fair punishment for what happened? It's not. So be fair in your response to someone. Be fair in your response to someone. Be fair in your response. What's a healthy response? Okay, let's move on. This is just simple stuff. Be warm, loving, and understanding. Jesus the Father is so warm, loving, and understanding with me all the time. Correct? I'm not going to spend too much time there. I want to move on. Okay. The next thing, if any of this sounds completely impossible for you to do, it is impossible. You were waiting for that. You see, the problem is, and this is, wh this is why I began with what I'm saying. This is why I began. <laughs> you see, I know, I know. This is why I began with what I said. You can't do this stuff. But you can grow in to it as much as humanly possible by power of Spirit, of Holy Spirit. Now, some people like to say Holy Spirit because they think it draws them closer. I even like to say the Holy Spirit because there's only one. He's the, he's the only one. There isn't any other spirit that's worthwhile. That's why I say the Holy Spirit, okay? But 
I also say Holy Spirit because I want it to be relatable. Okay? Anyway, it doesn't matter what you say. Point is, you can't do this in your own strength. You see, I'm telling you things. I'm not telling you now what to do as a Christian. I'm showing you how it looks when we live out of the overflow of the power of God working through us. This is an indication. This helps keep us kind of on track. This helps show us. You see, when I'm not, when I am punishing someone, I know I'm not fulfilling the heart of the Father. That's when I go to the Father and say, you know what, Father, I've actually not been treating Sarah very well. Lord, please help me because you know what? I don't want to treat Sarah well. That's honest. I don't want to treat someone well sometimes. But the Father, through His power, empowers us and strengthens us through Holy Spirit who lives in us. If He can create the universe through the Spirit, it's not that difficult to just help people. Now, they, I might not get the response. Listen to me carefully. I might not get the response I want from that person. But it's not the point. The point is, I'm allowing love to flow through me. And I'm trusting God that the same love that defeated the enemy at the cross will begin to defeat the enemy in this person's life, whether it takes two months or 20 years. My role is to love. My role is not to sort out. It's Holy Spirit's role to save and sort out. And if I'm involved with Holy Spirit in helping to disciple and clean someone up, I've got to do it in intimacy with the Father, in relationship. Because I know that if I'm, being, if I'm trying to disciple someone and that specific person really grates me, they really know how to sharpen my iron. Iron sharp. They know how to sharpen my iron. I really need Jesus. I go there and I sit in front of Jesus and I say, Lord, I really want to punch this person. Please, I want to punch them. Please. And then Jesus is going to come and say, no, 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 my boy. Remember. Remember when I died on the cross for you. What were you doing in that time? I was punching people. That's not what I want. Remember why? I, you see what I'm saying? So I learn now to live in love. I learn now to respond appropriately. Because the Spirit will teach me how to respond appropriately in His power. Can you see now why I'm trying to teach the whole time about identity? Who you are. The kingdom of God reigns in you. Kingdom is God's reign. How does He reign in you? Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit makes you like Jesus. Therefore, I can't just learn this stuff. As you see, a lot of people will write this down. And they'll say, well, I'm going to try not to punish people. I'm not going to try not. That's not bad. But what you need to do is take those things to God. You see, that's my point. You see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's why a lot of people will say, like, I'm, I'm a, one of my giftings is teaching. So I want to make it as simple and as clear as possible. You know, Paul used to say, he said, Lord, help me to teach and communicate as clearly as possible. I've adopted that from Paul. I said, Lord, help me to teach and communicate as clearly as possible. So therefore, I'm so sorry if I labor the point sometimes. But I want you to really allow Holy Spirit to begin to drop it in your spirit. Great. Such a good question. The question was, if you didn't hear that, uh, Abby was saying, oftentimes when we're in kind of scenarios like this, we have a certain expectation of what it should come out like or what it should, what it should develop like or how it should look in the end. And so how do, we, how do we do that? Well, very simply put, very simply put, okay? It says this in the Bible. Um, the Scripture is used for teaching, correction, and? Okay, now, so remember when I began this morning, I said, what are the two major ways God speaks to us? Through Scripture and through 
Holy Spirit. So this is what I do. I go find the scripture. I say, I begin with Holy Spirit. I say, Lord, I just really need you. I'm not in the place right now. So this is what I would do. You don't have to, but I'm giving you some form of a guideline. I believe this is scriptural. I go to God and I say, man, I, I, I really want this, this relationship to go super well, Lord. I really do. And I know that you're a good God. And you see, now I'm beginning to declare who God is in that area. I know that you're good. I know that you want life. I know that you want these things to be good. But Lord, I don't know how to get there. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to begin to, number one, um, um, uh, who was it that said, uh, uh, was it Elijah, I think, uh, was it Moses, uh, Moses, I think, I can't remember. Uh, unless you go ahead of me, don't let me go there. Who said that? Moses, thank you. It was Moses. So then I say, Lord, go ahead of me into this area. Go ahead of me into this area. Begin to deposit and work your power there. Secondly, I ask, Lord, that you begin to accomplish your work in me for this. So, Lord, I ask that you begin to accomplish your work in me. Begin to help my mind and my expectations to line up with who you are. So then I allow God to begin to speak to me about those things. And I begin to say, Lord, I do want that good, and I know that good's coming, but, Lord, you know how that good should work out. And then I have to trust God because I have faith in who he is, that he will accomplish that in me and through me and around me. You know, Paul says it right there in the next scripture. I think you might, I don't know if you've read that there yet. So the point is this, guys. When I have a relationship that's not going well, I invite Holy Spirit in and I begin to ask Holy Spirit to work in me and what should my response be? I don't tell God, I want this relationship to go well, I want us to be friends again. It better happen or else... I don't do that with God. I say, Lord, yes, I want this good relationship. I want us to be friends. And I know this is according to your will. Therefore, you'll accomplish it how you, how you have designed it to look. And I trust you in how it's going to work out. And so, therefore, I'm going to stay relating to you and help you develop this. Does that make sense? Can you see how that's empowered by the Spirit and not empowered by me trying to live a set of rules? Even although those rules are the heart of the Father. You see, when God comes and reveals it in the Scripture... He's not just giving you an intellectual understanding of how you should now go try and accomplish it. I need spirit to go do that. I can't just accomplish it on my own. So now I trust. You see, and unless there's intimacy, there's no power. Yes, these are the seven ways Holy Spirit helps us according. These are the seven general broad ways. I spoke about it last week, but quickly. Leads us into truth. John, you can take all these scripture references later. It leads us into truth, brings God's words unto remembrance. You see, this is how you defeat the enemy in a relationship. You see, your expectation can rest on this because he will accomplish this. Holy Spirit brings confirmation that we are God's children, enriches our prayer life by interceding for us, empowers us to do the will of God, and places in us spiritual gifts to carry out that which we're empowered to do. So those are the seven broad ways, and they're majorly broad, and they're majorly... Uh, they cover everything. And, and, and so if you, dig, if you start digging into this, each of those scriptures, you'll see what I mean. Um, so anyway, let's move on. And so we're going to quickly go to verse 2 now. Listen to the heart of the Father in verse 2. Um, it says, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So very quickly, what Paul is saying here is that he's talking about his joy. Now his joy, because remember this is Paul's joy letter, his, his joy 
We can be sure that because this is in Scripture, that the same joy that Paul receives from serving people in the the way I've been talking about this whole morning, the same joy that he receives is going to bring joy to the Father. We know that because it's in Scripture, right? So let's look at Psalm 133, verse 1. That we can, so we can be sure that as we live in serving others in Christ, in, in, in uh, all the ways that we've spoken about over today and yesterday. Let's look at that. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Remember the context of Philippians 2 is unity, relational. Psalm 133, verse 1. You see, Paul is getting this from those writings. He's understanding it from catching the heart of these writings of Jesus in those Psalms. So here he's talking about it, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I'm not going to dig that right now. Go to the next one. What is the result when there's unity in a place? For the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. In a place that's full of the love of God, you see the gospel being produced. And I'm not just talking salvation, even although that's massively important. I'm talking about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, all people, differing, differing opinions. I'm sorry, Democrats and Republicans. (laughs) I know, I'm going to get so much trouble from that one. Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, these things are peripherals in the kingdom. As, as, in terms of the kingdom, they are peripherals. That doesn't mean we don't get involved in those things. I'm not saying that. But the crux is, why are we getting involved? How are we getting involved? Is the Spirit leading? Is the Spirit empowering us? Is the Spirit renewing my mind while I'm in that? All that's important. Okay, but the point is, wherever there's this serving, wherever there's this joy in serving, serving Christ in a place, you begin to see the blessing of the Father there. You begin to see love forevermore. Now listen, what does that mean? Not only will you see salvation, right? But you'll have life forevermore in there. We know that John 10 verse 10 says, Jesus comes to give life and life in abundance. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Where there's stealing and killing and destroying in a body, the enemy is ruling. That's the time when the body should be repenting. Oh Lord, please get us back on track. Let us know your heart again. You see why the identity is so important? Can you, are you catching why kingdom and identity are so important? Because unless we are known, unless you know that you're loved completely, you won't know who you are. Listen carefully. Unless you understand the depths of the revelation of how much God loves you, you don't really know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you're going to land up with a couple of behavior patterns that's not good. So let's get there quickly. And by the way, this is impossible to do outside of Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue saying that. So let's move. Do nothing, verses 3 to, to, four, uh, to 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This is serving. This is joy in serving. How do I know that? Because not only does it bring the joy of the Lord into a place, but where, where God approves of something, we see a blessing and love forevermore. The full gospel is represented. So let's move on. Not looking to your own interests, but to but sorry, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what we're talking about. So what does it look like? 
Paul's talking here about getting ahead, striving for your own pride. The word selfish ambition, or more importantly, vain conceit there, means your glory and your pride. As soon as you've got a room full of people looking for their glory and their pride, who wants to be the greatest? Remember the disciples, they had that argument? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? As soon as you have a room, room full of people saying, who, my glory and my pride is more important than, your, than, than me helping you. As soon as you have a room like that, you, we're in trouble. And we can't get there without His love in presence beginning to rule and reign. That's why I need to be spending so much time in His presence. Intimacy, whatever word you want to use. Can I give you one quickly, one other thing quick? I called this section the not really upside down kingdom. Why? Because from verse 3 and 4, we begin to see some stuff. And here's what I want to know, I want to share. We've often heard the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. They're not wrong because the meaning of what they're trying to say. I know this because John Wimber used to say this, and I love John Wimber. I just want you to say this. But here's what I really want to say. It's not God's kingdom that's upside-down. It's our kingdom. The reason we think God's kingdom is upside-down is because our kingdom is the wrong way around. I want to put the glory back on God and say, it's not really upside-down. We're upside-down. Our kingdom is upside-down. But thank the Lord that in Christ, our kingdom can be turned the right way up. So let me give you some practical examples of some stuff. Listen carefully. Be generous rather than guarded. Listen carefully. Be generous rather than guarded. Be generous in your love to people. Be generous in your kindness. Be generous in your serving. Be generous in your your gratitude. You're with me. In terms of money, I've been through this quite a couple of times. When someone would like to come give somebody else money, this is not generosity. What can I use? Abby, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to give you $10,000. But the only reason I'm going to give you, you know, if that's the attitude, the only reason I'm going to give you $10,000 is because I want you to take that $10,000. You see, now I start dictating what this guy needs to do. It's not generous anymore. I'm now trying to put, expect, I'm now actually trying to control the guy. That's not generosity, is it? Generosity is coming and just saying, here we go. Our love must be the same. I love you not because of what, I'm going to, what I need you to do. I love you because just you, you deserve it. You're, the child, you're a child of God. Isn't that good? Any other motivation is not going to re- re- receive the fruit of the Spirit, uh, uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit. Compliment rather than compete. Compliment people rather than compete with them. You know, someone once said to me, Here's my, can I use my definition of comp- competition? You don't have to. This is my own personal opinion and my own ideology, this is not scriptural, okay? Although, I think it does line up with the heart of the Father. But here's the point. I don't compete with other people. Because I was born into a very competitive home. All my family are athletes. I learned very quickly that competition is really hard. And I learned it doesn't produce really good, loving fruit in me. You know who I compete with? I compete with me. That's where, and I am competitive. So I've had to channel that competition not to compete with others, to compete with me. So how do I do that? Here's what I do. I go to my father and I say, hey, tell me who I am. And you know what he says to me? He says all these things. You see, when you get a prophetic word, it's telling you who the father says you can become. Not fortune telling. Anyway, so now I get the word from the father and now guess what I do? Now I compete with myself. I say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to get there. I say, in you, I'm going to get there. In your strength, I'm going to get there. So Lord, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do how you call me and how you work, and I'm going to compete. I compete with me, and I have fun that way. 
That's just my way of doing things. You don't have to do that. I'm saying that's my way. Now, here's, here's, here's what we are trained in the world, what competition really looks like. If I beat you, I'm better than you. And by the way, when you win, where do they put you on the podium? On top. And the other two guys have to sit a bit lower than you. You know what I'm saying? And you, you sit there and you like the feeling of being glorified. It's trained into us to put ourselves above everyone else. It's trained into us. But that's the world kingdom. Do you know what God's kingdom is about? How can I elevate you above me? How can I make you better than me? Because those who are, and I'm taking slightly out of context, just bear with me. It's this principle. Those who are lost, Shelby, first. How can I elevate you to become the best you? Is my life helping you become the best you? That's where I'd like to be. And that's where I'd like to continue to live. How can I make you the best person you can become? Cooperate rather than compare yourself with others. We do that all the time too, don't we? We compare ourselves with other people all the time. I wish I was like that. I wish I was. Don't. Just cooperate together. Work together. Help each other. You know? <laughs> we need to learn. We need to learn that we don't need to be prideful. Okay. Let's quickly look at how different God's kingdom is to man's kingdom. Let's move on. For whoever wants to save his life should lose it. <laughs> Isn't that the wrong way around? In the context of the scripture, it means whoever wants to save their life should lose it. You know, don't try and save yourself. Don't try and elevate yourself. Let it go. And by the way, the context here, whoever wants to save his life um, should lose it. You've got to remember it's in Christ. Christ is the, is the one who brings us salvation. Okay? Okay, next. So the last will be first and the first will be last. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It means that if you try to accomplish the works of the Spirit in your own strength, you won't get there. Okay? When we, are, when we humble ourselves, we are lifted up. Humble ourselves. Guys, when we humble ourselves in front of God and say, Lord, we need you. That's where true humility begins. We need you, Father. We need you. When we come to each other, we say, hey, how can I serve you in the same way Christ served me on the cross? That's humility. How can I serve you? The same way Christ served me on the cross. Now, the thing that trips people up, they're like, oh, what about if there's abuse or whatever? Okay, it's, not, it's got nothing to do with healthy boundaries. It's got to do with the attitude of how I do it. Okay? Healthy boundaries are good. But how and why, attitude, motivation, what is that all about? See, I come humbly, just like Christ served me humbly, I come here. Yeah? And so let's, let's end on that. Let's end on that. I don't know about you, but I need God, by the power of His Spirit, to work so much in me, to change me. Because it's not my natural setup, this, that I've preached about this morning. And like I said, it's impossible to reach it without Him. So we really need to just come to God and say, Lord, we want to begin to see the joy. Your, we, want to, we want to not only see joy in our lives, in relationships. We want to see your joy in our lives and relationships. And so, Lord, if this is your ways, then teach me those ways. Show me how, because I don't know how and I don't want to in my natural man. But may I surrender and be humble enough to become more of that. So how about we spend just a few moments that we just say, Lord, begin this work in me.
that I place all my expectations, all my hurts, and everything else. I place the weight of my world onto your love. And I ask, Lord, that if you're the God of resurrection, that you resurrect me into new life. So that's what our prayer is going to be this morning. Could I ask you, for those of you, will you join me in just standing as we just invite God into that? This is a good song. My heart is ready.